Hey guys, this is Wes, and I am really excited because today we have a special bonus podcast we want to bring to you. So we're on the final week of Summer Equip, and the theme for this week is movements. So here at Summit College, we want to be a disciple-making movement that starts here in RDU, but sends students all over the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus. We're even praying that God will send out 2,000 college graduates in the next 20 years to be a part of the mission of God. And when we planned this week of Summer Summer Equip, I started thinking about a movement I learned about a few years ago called the Student Volunteer Movement. Now, you actually learned a little bit about this movement in your reading uh, this past week on uh, Don't Waste Your Life. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about this movement in a few minutes. But honestly, hearing about this historical move of God has inspired me to continue to give my life to making disciples among college students because it really shows if, if you reach the campus, you can reach the world. And this past year, I was trying just to learn a little bit more about this movement. And I picked up this book called In This Generation by Todd Arend. And this book was amazing as it really chronicled the history of the student volunteer movement and how God used college students in unbelievable ways. And so I really wanted to get Todd to come in here and just share a little bit about this movement to help us understand its history, but also some key takeaways for us today. So Todd was kind enough uh, to come and give us a little bit of his time today to be on this podcast. So I just want to welcome Todd here to the podcast. Todd, welcome here. Hey, thank you so much. Great to be here. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, a little quick uh, bio on Todd. So Todd, or should I say Dr. Todd, got his uh, doctorate from Gordon-Conwell Seminary. He's the founder and international director of the Traveling Team, which is a national missions mobilization uh, movement. And he and his wife, Jessica, have spent almost two decades traveling the world, speaking to thousands of people about involvement in world evangelization. They also have six kids, uh, Camden, Brody, Axel, Noble, Quincy, and Cruz. So Todd, thanks so much for being with us today. So here, Todd, here's the first question. We've just been asking people this one a lot, is what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, man, what a question to start with. Well, uh, I'm not a real karaoke guy, but if I was, it'd have to be probably the John Bon Jovi living on a prayer. It seems like that's always the top chart when you walk into the karaoke bar. Yep. Crowd favorite. People would love it. Crowd favorite. If you want to do a little bit at the end, come on with it. So, all right. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. I'm just going to be asking you some questions. And so, Todd, you can just be kind of answering these when we talk about the student volunteer movement. Before we do that, though, I would love just tell us a little bit about the traveling team. Kind of what is it? And then why did you start it? Yeah. Well, the traveling team, basically 20 years ago, as a college student who was a Christ follower on a secular campus, I'd heard about this idea of the mission of God, and I was so blown away with just how from Genesis 12 with Abraham all the way through Scripture, culminating in Revelation 7-9, there's this meta-narrative, one theme, and and we can all give our life for it to see God's glory presented to every tribe, tongue, nation of people. And for me, sitting there as like an elementary ed major, as a freshman on a college campus, I was like, man, how many other students have no idea about this this narrative of scripture that they too can give their life for how many apathetic christ followers on campus and so um i ended up marrying the girl i was dating and after i graduated we just said hey what if we jumped in a van did a 40 campus tour and really went to the campus crusade meetings the intervarsity meetings the bcm meetings and just presented this idea and helped to kind of activate students from apathy to action and um, so now, 20 years later, we're on about 240 campuses a year, 
presenting God's heart for the world, following up with students, pairing them with mission agencies, and trying to get them to give their life for the the one story that matters most. So that's kind of in a nutshell, the traveling team. That's awesome. I love that line from, I think you said, from apathy to action. Man, I love that. We want to be a people that are committed to action and being a part of the mission of God. So, well, let's go ahead and, and jump in to talk about the student volunteer movement. So can you ca- kind of tell us a little bit, like what's an overview of the movement and then who are some of the major people involved and what can we learn from their lives? Man, the student volunteer movement, it hit me like a freight train. I promise. I was, as a university student, when I started to realize, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one. This thing's been going on for a few hundred years. And um, it really starts, the kind of, the, the, the birth of it was in around 1806 at a, at a university called Williams College where a guy named Samuel Mills started a prayer meeting with uh, four other gentlemen, four other students. They were all freshmen. And that kind of was the beginning of the first American mission sent overseas and um, the the starting of mission societies and mission agencies. But it wasn't until 80 years later, so that's roughly 1886, that a man named Luther Wishard, who was really a traveling uh, minister for the Young Men's Christian Association. His job, I mean, check this out, his job was to go from campus to campus all across the U.S. encouraging men who were college students to get involved in evangelism on their campus. And Luther Wishard comes across the Haystack Prayer Movement story. He goes to, to Williams College and visits the Haystack Prayer Movement that Samuel Mills 80 years earlier was a part of. And Luther Wishard kneels at this monument at the Haystack prayer meeting and says, um, he says, man, where, what you did 80 years ago, do it again. And of course, in Luther Wishard's words, it was where water once flowed, let it flow again. And so he just kind of had this idea of what would happen if we, again, the words I just used, activated students. And so he hosted a, he hosted a four-week summer conference where literally from like February to to June, he recruited guys. You had to be a man, you had to be a freshman and sophomore. He really wanted the the freshman and sophomores so they could go back to the campus. And he recruited 256 students from 89 universities to go to this four-week project. And so talk about fast-paced recruiting. I mean, from February to June, one of the guys he recruited was was a student at Princeton named Robert Wilder. And um, Robert Wilder agreed to go but he also said, as I go, my sister, Grace Wilder, is going to pray for a missions movement to come out of this thing. She's going to pray for 100, 100 of the 256 to be missionaries. And so, man, talk about a power pack summer project. You had 256 students. You had Robert Wilder ready to mobilize. You had Grace Wilder because the girls weren't invited. It was the Young Men's Christian Association. You had Grace Wilder at home praying. And over the next four weeks, they had Moody be the keynote speaker. Robert Wilder took to mobilization. Grace Wilder took to prayer. And wouldn't you know it, that last day of that conference, exactly 100 signed up. And this became known as the Mount Hermon 100 because the conference was held at the Mount Hermon boarding school where D.L. Moody resided over. Now, that would have been incredible if that was the end. Like, if that was the end, you'd been like, oh, my goodness, 100 but these hundred went back to their campuses and they began to mobilize and they began to raise awareness on what God did in this four-week summer project. 
Uh, John Mott, one of the core people who were mobilized early on, went back to Cornell and began telling the story. And what was crazy is over the next year, from these 100, it blew up to 2,106. So it went from 100 in 1886 to over 2,000 in 1887. It eventually continued to, 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 to just, it continued to just blossom, really, as John Mott took the leadership of this thing. They didn't even know what to call it. I think the name of it says it all. They just decided to call it, let's call it the Student Volunteer Movement because students were volunteering, and they didn't even realize it was becoming a movement. So they called it the SVM for short, the Student Volunteer Movement. John Mott led this movement after he graduated from Cornell, and he led this movement for 40 years. And here's, here's the crazy part. Over the next 40 years, this movement mobilized over 100,000. Now, 20,000 actually sailed to go to the unreached but 80,000 stayed behind to support these goers. And so, I mean, just in 1946, just to give you the impact, John R. Mott was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. He raised over $300 million for world evangelization through the student volunteer movement. He himself crossed the Atlantic over 100 times. It was just really an unbelievable movement that we haven't seen really in history where these university students became indeed activated. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I love a couple of things you said. One was to just just about the importance of prayer, how you know Grace Wilder and even from the very beginning the Haystack Prayer. Like there are just so many people praying, and this was a response to to prayer, but also just to see how this grew from a hundred people to twenty thousand going and a hundred thousand being being involved. I mean, that's just really really encouraging and exciting. So. Um, what are some of this, the similarities of the obstacles that the people in the student volunteer movement dealt with that we are kind of seeing today as well? Well, what's interesting is I've spent the last 20 years crisscrossing America. We've been on probably over 700 universities, um, speaking to you know well over 300,000 students. And as I sat down face-to-face with some of these students in universities um, across the campus, I realized, man, parents, dating, the call, the needs here. These were all across the board. I was hearing these obstacles and excuses in student unions across the campus. And as I began to dip my toe back into the student volunteer movement and read what John Mott, what Moody, what Grace Wilder, what Robert Wilder began to say, I realized these were pretty much the same four that they had. I mean, when it comes to parents, John Mott would look at, at students and say, he would say the number one reason the world has yet to be reached is Christian parents. And he would hit this head on. Wow. He just, he, it, was, it was fascinating for him. And, and, and Robert Wilder would challenge students, don't settle for your parents' best. All our parents want the best, but don't settle for your parents' best. Settle for God's best. And so... Man, how many Christian students from the student volunteer movement were just saying, oh, I can't go. My parents would never let me. And that's the same thing today. Again, a a second major obstacle would be, as I mentioned before, dating or just relationships. I mean, um, I can can remember um, reading some of the stuff that that Mott and Wilder would say, and, and they would even, they would even challenge 
challenge those in relationships. Man, are these people willing to sacrifice by going? You might not go, but have you even asked the question, man, if God would call us, would you, would you be willing? And so um, I remember just reading some of the stuff they would say on relationships and, and how Mott would say things like, man, God gives the best to those who leave the choice to him. And so um, I know every listener now is, is indeed, you know, intrigued by that because it's true. Relationships and dating, it's like they might have so much of what, of what looks good, but are they really the best? And so um, not only just family, but relationships and dating, but also the needs here. That was a huge question the student volunteer movement dealt with because, I mean, you, you know, America, I mean, look at the lostness today of America. Imagine 1886. You know, like it was, it looked Mm -hmm. even worse. I mean, man. And so people would be like, there's so many needs here. And uh, I was just reading one of the things Robert Wilder said. He said, man, he would look out at a crowd of a thousand students and he would say, man, if a building is on fire and eight are upstairs perishing and one is in the cellar, but six are already helping the one in the cellar, where should you go help with your assistance? And what he was trying to do was to say, man, there's always needs, but man, we need to decide on where's the greatest needs. And so again, just you can't escape the needs. The needs are everywhere. So family, uh, relationships, the needs here, but then the last one, which is one that was very prevalent and one that I'm sure even every listener's dealt with today is the idea of the calling. Am I called? How do I know I'm called? Where am I called? Do I wait for the angel Gabriel to say, go to Africa, sucka? I mean, how do I figure that out? Um, and I just remember, I, I, it was fun just reading through, man, oh my goodness, 200 years ago, they still dealt with this issue. And, um, again, John Mott, Grace Wilder, Robert Wilder, Luther Wishard, they would say things like the need was the call. They would say things like, why do you need a voice when you have a verse? They would say things like, what would a call look like if it came? And maybe you've already been called, but you're not hearing it. So those are some incredible similarities I've seen both today that reach way back in time with the SVM. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I mean, I think, yeah, we see all of those today as well, like relationships. I think the call is a big one. I love that. I think what you say, you don't, what'd you say about a verse? Well, uh, Jim Elliott, uh, you know, very well-known martyr of um, the 1950s, he said, why do you need a voice when you have a verse, you know, over and over again, just, I mean, not only just with Abraham in Genesis 12, Genesis 28, Genesis only 32, you've got the the five great commission passages over and over again, but still Christ followers feel sidelined. Like, I just don't know. And they seem polarized by over choice, but, um, yeah, God, God wants us to move forward. He'll steer us correctly, but sometimes we're just so, um, apathetic and, and, and not wanting to move out. Yeah, that's really, really good. Um, let me ask you this next question. What are just, kind of as you look back to the student volunteer movement, what are just some key takeaways for students today as you look back to that movement? Man, I think one of the things I realized was God loves to use the 18 to 25-year-olds. I mean, you look at every major missions movement, and it really is 18 to 25-year-olds who've spearheaded those movements. And so I think one takeaway is just, man, don't, don't think lightly of the stage you're in. God wants to use you specifically. 
And not only that, but you're surrounded with thousands of other people your age, your stage, looking for a purpose, looking for a passion, looking for a reason to give them themselves to. And so I like to remind students, man, you're probably in one of the most fertile seasons of ministry you'll ever have. I mean, look around you. And so, man, don't miss the power God has for you, but also don't miss, and I even say the position you're in with, um, with where you're at. And so, man, my takeaways would be be a learner of the world and the work of God. I love what William Carey said in 1792. He said, to know God's will, you need an open Bible and an open map. And I think we do a good job with our open Bible. You know, we got our ESV study Bible, but do we have an open map where it's like, man, God, where would you want me? So understand where you're at on the university, surrounded by students, be a learner of the world and God's work, and don't miss the ministry of mobilization. I mean, that was, these the people in the student volunteer movement, they didn't want to go alone. You know, I meet so many college students who are like, oh man, I'm going to Papua New Guinea, and I'm like, have you raised up a team? And they're like, I haven't even thought about that. And I'm like, we spend so much time about where should I go, we miss the six other friendships of Christ followers who we can invite with mm-hmm. us. So those are, some, those are some takeaways just that I would think of when I think of the, the student volunteer movement. Yeah, I think that's really good. Even the last thing you said, we have just seen over the last couple of years that when students go with teams, there's just one, they just have a better experience. They're able to live on mission even better because they're not out there alone. Um, but also one of the things that we say pretty often is that you know college students or the college campus is one of the greatest mission fields and the greatest mission forces in the world because there's so much lostness on the college campus. But then if you get a college student passionate about Christ with a vision for the nations, man, they can just be a huge mission force. So that's really, really, really exciting to see what God has been doing there. So, um, well, I guess one question is, you know, until the last couple of years, I'd never heard of st- student volunteer movement. My guess is many of the students have not heard of the student volunteer movement either. So are they still in existence today? If not, like what even happened? Yeah. I mean, how would this how does this huge missions force come to an end even before our lifetime began? And uh, that's a question that I had to wrestle with and did some research on because, again, you don't really, there's no headquarters for the student volunteer movement, you know, today. And so when you look at what happened with this huge momentum of 100,000 students activated, you also have to realize there was some incredible um, uh obstacles to continue. I mean, the, the two that stick out in my mind that really slowed the movement was World War I. Uh, when you have a world war and all your young men who were the future missionaries are now, you know, recruited to war, the workers are even few. The second thing on top of the World War One was just the, the Great Depression of the 1930s. And so you had literally the fundings of these missionaries dried up. So you not only you had the, the personnel dry up, you had the funding. And then just what you said was so powerful where the mission force and the mission field come together on the student, uh, on the campuses, because that phrase was is actually something that John Mott said near the end of his life. Near the end of his life, as he stood up on campus, someone said, how has universities changed over the last 50 years of you speaking on them? And he said, what was once the mission force has become the mission field. And what he meant by that was 
1880s, when he stood at Cornell University, Christian students understood the lostness of humanity, the, uh, the, the Bible being the word of God. They understood that, that, they, were the, that they were the witnesses. But by the 1950s, the mission force has become the mission field. Now he's having to convince Christ followers, hey, hell is real. Hey, Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus, they, not all roads go to heaven. And so he's scratching his head going, man, I used to be able to stand up and say, go ye. But now I got to convince them the lost are lost. And so if you think about it, World mm-hmm. War I, you know, the, the, the Great Depression, the shifting of, of liberalism on campus, uh, eventually the student volunteer movement was voted out of existence. And, and after John Mott passed, it never really recovered. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so that's really one. It's just like, you know, really sad to see a move of God like that that started with God did amazing things to then kind of eventually slowly fade and die out. But what about this? Like, what would another movement like the student volunteer movement look like today? You know, we've thought about that over the last 20 years, and that's something we've been praying for is, Lord, you know, do it again. Um, one, of the, one of the things I mentioned, Luther Wishard, who kind of started the student volunteer movement, um, you know, he said the phrase, what others began, let us complete. And I think that's been our prayer. Man, what, what you did with the 1806 Haystack prayer meeting, what you did in the 1886 to 1920s with the student volunteer movement, what others began, let us complete. And I think what I, what I would see is the campuses look different today. I mean, if you can imagine... 200 years ago, if you stepped on a campus like Harvard or Princeton or Cornell or University of Iowa or whatever, you would have one major campus ministry, the YMCA. And today, thank the Lord, there's, there's eight to 10 of them on each campus, and sometimes there's over 20. And so what we would say is, if you know, prayerfully when God raises up another movement like this, and maybe one starting to emerge today, it's not going to be like the tsunami of the student volunteer movement, where it's like, oh my goodness, a hundred thousand. We've seen this. We've seen the, the the tide lift. Instead, it's going to be kind of every river of campus ministries is going to see high tide, and so that's what we would say is like you would get a report saying, man, it's been unprecedented. Crew has more going out this summer. Oh my goodness! InterVarsity seeing international students on all these campuses come to Christ like never before. Wow, you know, BCMs are seeing an increase in prayer for the nations, like unprecedented history. And so we just would say, man, instead of looking for like this tsunami that happened with the student volunteer movement when there was one group on these campuses, you're basically going to see high tide in all these organizations, and we're excited about that day. Yeah, man, I think that's great too. I think it'd be easy to think that a move of God is only going to happen in our organization or our movement, but reminded that God is working in so many different movements across the country, sending out men and women all over. I think it's just a good reminder to be even thinking about that and praying towards that way. Uh, one, one quick thing, I, I forgot to ask you about this. What was the student volunteer movement? I think they had some kind of a motto. What was their kind of their motto that they would go by? Yeah, their motto was the evangelization of the world in this generation. The evangelization of the world in this generation. And it actually comes from a verse in Acts where um, it says Stephen is kind of talking back in the Old Testament. He says David served God in his generation and then died. 
And so the student volunteer movement picked up on that and was like, man, I'm not responsible for the past generation. I'm not responsible for the future generation. I'm responsible for my generation. So the evangelization of the world in this generation, and they added in this generation on purpose because they wanted to show how important it was and doable it was in this generation. It wasn't kick the can down the road, future generations will do it. It was evangelization of the world in this generation. There is, um, uh, and a, we can do it. This is this can happen, and we can see it fulfilled. Yeah, I love that. I mean, one, I had no idea that was connected to Acts, so I love that. Tying in with Summer Equip here, but also, I just love the passion and just the belief that they show, which I see now in college students all the time, that God can finish the Great Commission, that He can actually do this if we are willing to commit to him and commit to his mission. So that's so so encouraging. All right, well, a couple more questions here. Quick fun fact. Um, so you have six kids, and you, which is a lot, man. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. I have one, and I'm already tired. So you have six kids, and you actually, um, actually their namesake, all of them came from someone as a part of the student volunteer movement. So what are their names, and then who did you name each kid after? Well, yeah, that's, uh, that is a fun fact that not many people know. So six kids, we just really wanted our kids to have a good hero. We wanted them to have a lifelong hero. And it's so fun to see. We put the pictures of who we've, we've namesaked in all their rooms. We put a quote above their bed. And so um, six kids, my oldest daughter, she's 13. Her name's Camden Wilder. We namesake the middle name. Um, so her name's Camden Wilder, and we named her after Grace Wilder. Um, who was the one who prayed for the 100. Her brother was Robert, who really orchestrated the student volunteer movement. And then we have uh, our second son, Brody Mills. We named him after Samuel Mills in the Haystack prayer meeting of 1806 that kind of launched that student volunteer movement. We have an Axel Mott. I had to get John Mott in there who uh, won that Nobel Peace Prize and was the leader of the student volunteer movement. Uh, many, um, many probably have never heard of a man named John Sung, and John Sung was the basically the student volunteer movement's China um, wing. He was born in 1905 and 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 really kind of was the one of the great revivalists of China, and um, he was he was important. And and as we adopted our uh, child number four from China, we thought, man, let's give him a name that's kind of a Chinese heritage of a student volunteer movement. Our fifth is a little girl named Quincy Carmichael, and just that middle name gives it away, Amy Carmichael. What many don't know about Amy, she served you know over 50 years in India, but Amy Carmichael was a college student in Ireland and heard Hudson Taylor. And, and Hudson Taylor challenged the audience, you know, to go and she came up to Hudson Taylor and said, where do you want me? And he's like, man, we've been sending people to China. We want you to go to Japan. And so she actually spent time in Japan before she sailed to India. And then finally, my, uh, my four-year-old son, this is kind of a fun one that, that people didn't think we would do, but I was so set on it. Um, his name is Cruz Stud. Nice. Because um, the uh, man, the, 18, the 1880 missionary, uh, C.T. Studd that helped launch the student volunteer movement in England that was a cricket player, gave it all up, went to India for uh, seven years, China for 10 years, Africa for over 20 years. And so uh, his name's Crew Studd. But again, just just namesaking the kids after someone we want to be their, their hero. 
and why not the student volunteer movement? Yeah, man, I I love that. One is like that makes you maybe the expert on student volunteer movement at this point if you actually named six of your kids after somebody in it. Second, I love that you put stud in there. I was wondering <laughs> if that one was coming. That's a lot to live up to, but I love that. That's awesome. My wife and I are actually working on coming up with a name for our son, so it's good to know a couple options we got out there for us. So, um, All right, so kind of last question. What is one final word you would give to college students as they seek to be a part of a movement like the student volunteer movement? What is a final word I would give? You know, um, as I mentioned, we, um, we adopted uh, one of our children from China. We've had him home for two years. And um, that's not an easy road to do. Adoption is not easy. And, um, you know, I remember talking to a, a, a friend of mine and I was like reminiscing of, if you wanted to call it the good old days where, you know, it was, you know, and, um, and this, this, this lady I was talking to, she said three words to me and, um, it was just three words and it was a simple three words. And I just couldn't help but to remember those of the student volunteer movement and really connecting it to them. But she looked at me and she said, easier is not better. Easier is not better. And it's so true. I mean, you know, when I think about adoption, you know, I thought, oh man, I remember when it was easier. And she's like, easier is not better. And that whole idea just resonated with me with college students and, and university students because so many times, we do the, we just easier is better. God right now is calling some of the listeners on this, this podcast to raise support and not just take a, take a job doing engineering in a city. He's calling them to raise support, join a nonprofit, and use their skills there. But so many times we go, oh, easier is better, easier is better. I'll just get the job, get the salary, get the paycheck, get the house, get the mortgage, get the wife. Um, some of us are, are be, uh, listening or need to go overseas for a summer and pray about a lifetime. But it's like, well, it just doesn't work. I got to start my master's. You know, easier is not better. Easier is not better. Some of our parents are freaking out right now. If, if we haven't even talked to them about it, like some of your listeners, God is doing something so unique in their life and their parents who might even be good churchgoers aren't even aware of it. And we're just like, I don't want, they, they paid for my college, they helped me out, they bought my Civic, you know, I don't want to do this. And um, I would just say easier is not better. Easier is not better. Uh, for some, oh my goodness, you're in a relationship, it just feels good, it's right, you dated them for three years, I don't want to, so all that to say, I think um, some of my final words would be easier is not better and don't buy the lie. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. Easier is not better. I love that. Yeah, well, Todd, thank you so much for being on here today, sharing with us a little bit about the student volunteer movement, something I didn't know a lot about a few years ago, and God has really shown me a lot, and it's such an amazing move of God, and hopefully to all of us inspiring to show what God can do. And I pray that God will do something similar in our midst as we seek to be a movement of disciple-making disciples here in RDU and around the world. So, Todd, thank you so much for joining us, sharing with us. And I pray that many of the college students that are on this and just listen to this today, that they will say yes uh, to God's call in their life and they will go overseas and they'll be a part of what God is doing among the nations. Thank you so much, brother. All right. Thanks, Todd. 
So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Todd from the traveling team about the student volunteer movement. And I just want to give you a few resources from Todd that just might be helpful if you want to kind of learn a little bit more about this. So if you want to learn a little bit more about the student volunteer movement, he has a book called In This Generation that I had read this past year that I think is super helpful if you want to know just kind of more about the history and all the different things God did through that. Another book he has is called The Abrahamic Revolution. It's about both the mission of God, then it kind of talks to the major world religions and how can you share with people from other religions, and then what does it mean to live a global Christian lifestyle. And then one more book that he has out that I think is really helpful is called The Ten Modules. This is more of a practical book that will help equip you in order to be bring, in order to really bring the vision of kind of world evangelization, world missions to the college campus, how to share and to talk about the mission of God. So super, super helpful. So I love the motto of the student volunteer movement the evangelization of the world in this generation. I love that, and I pray that we'll be the same for us. And I pray that we'll be committed to following the Holy Spirit and making disciples in RDU and around the world, and that many men and women will give their lives to making Christ known all over the world.